copywriting has been sold as a get rich quick scheme for like decades now. People think, oh, you can just roll over in bed and write some emails on your phone and then then in comes the money. There's nothing that's going to give you quick money because it doesn't really work like that, right? It's kind of a get rich slow, but a get rich slow is realistic. A get rich quick doesn't exist and it's better than get rich never. When starting out, outreach is going to be the thing that separates the people who really want it and the people who are kind of just like, oh, you know, I kind of want to do this copywriting thing and make a little bit of money. So you got to understand that you have to go at it with tenacity and just take massive action and, and really go for it. So that's the first thing, because I see a lot of people get either discouraged or they go at it like, you know, oh, I'm going to send 100 outreaches a day. They do that for three days and then their brain turned to mush because they've been outreaching all day for three days straight. Right. So basically come up with a consistent way to do it. So for example, when I was starting out, I did a whole bunch in one day and then stop. So what I recommend that people do is do 10, 20 a day, maybe even to just to start. Once you've done that for a couple of weeks, it's a habit. It's, it's in your schedule and then you can ramp it up to 30 or 40 or whatever. Right. But a habit has to be implemented before it can be improved on. So it's really important just to show up every day and do it. That's, that's the hardest thing. I'm so excited to share this interview I did with Tyson, also known as Tyson4D on YouTube. Thank you to whoever popped in my YouTube comments saying you need to collaborate with Tyson because I was able to get him on the podcast and ask him about all of his cold outreach strategies. I think what me and Tyson have in common is that we were able to transition into copywriting based on our ability to get in with certain clients and make traction pretty quickly despite not having that professional background or experience that writers sometimes think they need. So he shares his best tips with us, which I'm so happy about because you know on this channel I teach how to use LinkedIn, but he relies on methods like Instagram and he definitely injects a lot of personality into his outreach, which I think are amazing tips to share with writers. I know you're gonna get a lot out of this. So here we go, enjoy. Tyson, introduce yourself and what types of copywriting you do, who you do it for mm -hmm. and how you got started. Absolutely, so as far as what types of copywriting I do and, and who I do it for. So my offer now is based around people who do high ticket coaching or you know build their own courses and get into high ticket coaching afterwards. So online creators basically. And my offer is mostly email marketing or funnel building. That's what I specialize in. And just starting out, it's kind of funny because, you know, I started out as, you know, a lot of people do. I tried a bunch of stuff. I tried affiliate marketing. I tried, I tried drop shipping. I tried pretty much everything <laughs> and none of it really went according to plan, but copywriting is something that I was able to stick to. And I actually did finally get some returns from. And the biggest thing is because I actually did stick with it for a long time and I actually invested myself and really became a student of the game. And that's kind of where I got my success from. And now I, I'm a professional copywriter. I have a few clients and I also you know, teach my own copywriting stuff and do some copywriting coaching and stuff as well. Awesome. So I'm assuming you have a lot of beginners that are seeking out your your content. And actually I found you because someone had commented on my YouTube video saying you need to do a collab with Tyson. <laughs> so I found you and reached out to you, but what would you say if you had to start it all from scratch, what mm. would you say to those aspiring copywriters who really want to get started, but don't know where to start? Mm, good question. I, I think about that sometimes it's like, hmm, if I were to start all over again, what would it look like? But there's probably two, no, probably like three main things that I would do. And the first thing that I would do first and foremost would like 
be stop searching for like all the tactics, right? Because that's what I thought would really get the results was like, oh, there's got to be a secret tactic out there. There's got to be a secret way to make money with this, a secret way to, you know, write copy that people just immediately want to buy, or it's got to be a secret way where I can just get a bunch of clients. But in reality, like I wasted a lot of time looking for that, right? Where it's like, you know, now I give people a couple of basic outreach strategies, but it's like people kind of always look for more. But I would say like, just just pick a couple. Like if I were to start again, I would just pick one or two and then test them to see which one actually like like works. And then that's kind of leads me into like the second thing that I would do is like, I would start testing. So when I started out, I kind of just tried a new strategy every day, which basically led to me making no progress because I don't know what I, what I actually did was good or what if I did was bad. So what I would do if I were to go back is be really, really determined to track everything Right. Because I mean, like, that's what businesses do. Businesses track their numbers and they track their KPIs. And that's how they figure out, you know, what they're doing, if what they're doing is wrong or what they're doing is right. So that I could do more of what's right and less of what's wrong, obviously. But yeah, that, that's the other thing that I would do is like run it like an actual business and not try to just get lucky and get a client or whatever. And the third thing that I would probably do is just really value experience a lot more than the money. So when I first started out, I was really worried about the money and getting money right away and quitting my job because it's like, you know, I just wanted to just you know, obviously become full-time copywriter as soon as possible. But it would have been actually quicker for me if I would have just got on with a couple clients for, you know, little to no money and then got the experience from that, which is valuable. And also got the testimonials and the proof of concept, which also would have been nice. So I knew if I would have done those, at least those three things, I would have definitely shaved at least a couple of months off of my progress. Yeah, I think trying so many different strategies to find clients is where freelancers get so scattered and they don't understand why they're not getting results. And it's like, mm. because you haven't put that concentrated effort into one avenue because exactly. it does take time and it is a numbers game. And it's so funny you said that because in my course, I get a lot of students asking like, well, what's, what's your conversion rate with cold outreach? And I wish I had kept track of how many cold pitches I had sent before I got my first client so I could give that accurate conversion rate. First of all, it's going to be different for everyone. So it's not that big mm. of a deal, but I, I genuinely just got on LinkedIn and started cold pitching every single day until I got my first client. And then it okay. kind of snowballed. So I would say like, pick a tactic, like you said, see if it works and then if it's mm -hmm. not, you have to pivot, but don't try to do a hundred dispersed strategies. Yeah, exactly. And I, and I don't know if you get this question as well, but people often ask me like, you know, you give, you give out these strategies, but which one's the best? And it's like, <laughs> well, I mean, I can't really answer that for you. Like they all, they're all effective, but the best way to figure out what's the best is to test them all out and see. That's like the only way to really figure it out. So, and it also depends on like your niche and who you want to write for and what your goal is. Because I always say avoid Fiverr, Upwork, and other freelance platforms because mm -hmm. they do have the connotation of being low paying. However, there are plenty of people out there who do make good money on those platforms on Upwork and Fiverr. But personally for me, like I had this very, this very clear vision of like, if I could get four to five anchor clients that are paying me between one and $2,000 per month, then I'll make an income of this and I'll be able to live off of that. But I knew Fiverr and Upwork weren't going to get me to those small amount of high paying clients. For me, that strategy was LinkedIn. So for anyone who's listening, I would encourage just 
understand what your big picture goal is first and work backward because then you can figure out which strategies of outreach are, are going to work for you. And I want to segue into outreach strategies because what I loved about your YouTube channel was that you were coming out with tactics that I could tell, I know are very effective because I have a sales background, but I just don't personally teach. So talk to me a bit about like Instagram strategies and I want to hear about your loom tactic. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah, I mean, Instagram is something for me that is my, is my preferred method. And uh, I like Instagram a lot because uh, the thing with, with email, like everybody was doing email when I first started and people in the courses that I was in, they just teach email, cold email, cold email. So then I started doing some DMs and the thing that I love about Instagram is that not only is it harder to ignore a DM than an email, because like emails is like you ignore tons of emails. You got a bunch of emails in your inbox that don't get read, but DMs is like people usually check them because usually that's where inbound leads come in. So, you know, you get more replies and not to mention it's like, as soon as you message somebody, they're going to look at your profile, right? So if you have the right stuff on your profile, it's now almost like they're checking out your website, but you don't even have to send it to them, right? So people always ask me, like, should I build a website? Should I build a website? Well, to me, it's like my Instagram is my website. It shows people what I do, my testimonials, my knowledge and things like that. So, you know, it's, it's something that's really effective and been really effective for me. But as far as the actual outreach strategy goes, what I usually do is come up with a hook. So I have a couple of hooks that I usually go with. And then that's just to get them to reply because that first reply is really important so that you can get from their request tab over into their primary tab. And now they get notifications when you message them. So once you're in there, basically what's worked for me the best is just sending them what's called what I like to call a video intro DM, right? So here is literally where I just get on like a video and I say these exact words. I'm like, hey, my name is Tyson. I'm a copywriter. Basically what I do is I help, you know, businesses close more leads. And, you know, if you want to talk more about that, let's have a quick chat about it in the DMs, right? It's not even really that much of a crazy pitch. There's no crazy tactics, but it's just the fact that I'm getting on video and that I'm going above and beyond and showing my personality, showing my face. That's what really got me the most clients in the quickest amount of time. And as far as the loom goes, the loom is also very effective for similar reasons. So you can send loom over email or you could do it on Instagram as well. But the reason that Loom works so well is because you basically message them and you offer them like, hey, I had an idea or, hey, I have this thing that I've tried over here before. And I thought that it might even work in your business. Is it cool if I just send you a quick video just to run it by you? And then, I mean, that's pretty hard to say no to because it's there they're, you know, looking for, for ideas. So you send over the video and in the video, you can show basically your knowledge. You can tell them a little bit about your marketing knowledge just by showing them going through their actual sales funnel or the page or whatever, or their emails and telling them what you would change or what you've done in your experience or things like that. It also builds social proof. And, and again, just getting on video has a lot of power behind it because a lot of people aren't doing it. Right. So now in being in the creator space, and I'm, like, I'm sure you get it all the time. People reach out to me almost on a daily basis on like be, being like, hey, man, let's start a TikTok or like I can cut up your videos into reels or edit some posts for you or whatever. But it's like, no, I've, I've never I've yet to see somebody come out with like a video of them getting on video and being like, hey, my name is this and that. And I've done this or whatever. So just just doing that, I find is like really effective and really ups the person the personalization of the message. And I recommend that people do take advantage of that before it becomes like email, <laughs> a strategy that, you know, is really everyone's doing it. Because like you said, 
right now, at least video is just kind of coming on the scene in terms of a sales tactic and free tools like Loom allow you to record your screen and actually pull up somebody's sales funnel and walk them through and give this like consultation feel without the person having to get on a call with you just yet. I would say too, just disclaimer, when you do go through somebody's online presence and make recommendations, the big mistake that a lot of people do to me is they'll start criticizing my YouTube channel. (laughs) And like this, like you could do so, someone said to me, goes, you're doing this and like, you could do it so much better. And I think English wasn't their first language. So I don't think they meant it to come across in that tone, but I'm like, guys, like don't criticize and make someone feel bad about either spelling errors or video quality, because most likely they already know they want to improve in that way. So just Mm. be a little more delicate, you know? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I tell my people the same thing and they, I I see it all the time as well. So I I really agree with you. And so one thing that somebody did to me was like, you know, oh, hey man, your your YouTube videos aren't getting many views because your thumbnails, this and that. And I'm like, oh bro, you're just dissing my channel. So like one thing that I tell people to do is, is use the compliment sandwich, right? So you go through it, you give them one compliment, say something that they did well. And then you say, oh, well, maybe this could be better because in the past I've tried it this way and it worked better for me. And then, you know, but there is this one other thing that you did really well, right? So then that kind of like softens the blow of you kind of criticizing their page a little bit. Yes. I literally just made a video talking about the compliment sandwich and how like (laughs) I wish clients understood because as writers, like sometimes, well, most of the time it hurts to get feedback. Like it just, we have, it's just this thing. It's always going to irk the writer a little bit because I guess it's our work we're putting out there. And then clients come in sometimes with this like really savage feedback and it's like (laughs) just be a little bit more sensitive and do the compliment sandwich but not a lot of people know about it so we have to spread the word about the sandwich (laughs) absolutely (laughs) tell me the biggest things you see that writers are doing wrong in their cold outreach I feel like this could be a whole episode in and of itself (laughs) but what are those those fail moments that we can learn from and things we can avoid Absolutely. Well, I mean, first and foremost, when it comes to cold outreach, it's the hardest part about becoming a freelance copywriter, which is something that I never really took into account when I first started. And I feel like a lot of other people don't either. Is that like, you know, they think that the challenge is in writing the copy. But, you know, writing a copy is kind of just like a learned skill. It's like you can look at videos, you can study it, practice it, learn it. But when it comes to outreach, there's a little bit less information on the subject. And it's something that's changing all the time. So you have to be in the the modern day loop of it. And it's something that's a little bit harder to pin down. So when starting out, outreach is going to be the thing that separates the people who really want it and the people who are kind of just like, oh, you know, I kind of want to do this copywriting thing and make a little bit of money. So you got to understand that you have to go at it with tenacity and just take massive action and and really go for it. So that's the first thing, because I see a lot of people get either discouraged or they go at it like, you know, oh, I'm going to send 100 outreaches a day. They do that for three days and then they're like brain turned to mush because they've been outreaching all day for three days straight. Right. So basically come up with a consistent way to do it a consistent number of times a day. So for example, when I was starting out, I did the whole, you know, a whole bunch in one day and then stop. So what I recommend that people do is do, you know, 10, 20 a day, maybe even to just to start. Once you've done that for a couple of weeks, you know, it's a habit, it's, it's in your schedule, and then you can ramp it up to 30 or 40 or whatever, right? But a habit has to be implemented before it can be improved on. So it's really important just to 
show up every day and do it. That's that's the hardest thing because a lot of people will burn themselves out that way and then they won't see any progress and it'll be even worse. So yeah, that, that's the biggest thing. And it's like, if you don't give up, the chances of you finding a client are like inevitable, even if it takes you a little bit longer than you expected, you know, you just got to keep going, showing up every day. And then the next thing would probably be follow up. And the biggest thing is that people don't really like to do it or it's like they, they kind of do it improperly. So as far as follow up, like, People, people come to me all the time and they're like, Hey, I think I hit up everybody in my niche. And it's like, okay, well, well maybe, but I know that you haven't been following up with them. Cause if there's more than a couple thousand people in your niche, then you should basically never run out of people because once you run out of people, then you just cycle back and hit up the people that you already talked to or already messaged or whatever. Right. So those are two things that I feel like people usually either don't implement or implement wrong that they could really improve on. Following up. And I, I don't, I I understand why it's such a sore point because our natural inclination is first of all, to feel hesitant to reach out to a stranger cold to begin with. So like cold outreach goes against a lot of our human instincts to begin with. Nobody wants to DM someone, message someone that they don't know because there's a good chance or or there's a slight chance that somebody's going to tell you to fuck off. Right. So (laughs) we're going against the grain and then to follow up is like, Oh, now not only did you not answer me, but now Mm. I have to send you another message and the natural thought process is like, listen, if they were interested, they would answer. So why would I follow up? And I fall into that trap too. Like they see me because a lot of times clients will answer me and then fall off the map. And I'm like, well, you knew, you know, I'm here. You corresponded (laughs) with me and now you're not answering. Am I really going to keep following up? So I teach a method of follow-up, which is like continue to provide value and don't just fall into the trap of saying, hey, just following up, just following up. Like that's the worst thing you can do. What are your recommendations about how to follow up in a non-annoying way? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I mean, good point. You got it right there because I mean, sometimes they will tell you to go shove it too, like, and they won't be nice about it, but that's just, that just comes with the game. And again, it's like, that's the big determining factor who really wants it and who's going to be successful and who's not. It's like, you know, you're going to have those doors slammed in your face, but once it happens, you also realize that it's really not that bad. You'll feel bad about it for five minutes, but you'll move on, you'll keep going and, you know, life goes on and it'll kind of toughen you up, you know, callous you. So it was kind of a good thing. But as far as following up, I mean, you also got that correct as well. You want to come at it from different angles each time as well. So, you know, when people ask what's the best follow-up, that's that's another question that I get a lot. And the, there's no real answer. And it's because that some clients will respond better to, you know, a humorous email. You send them something where it's a funny joke or something that's kind of playful, but others are just not really about that. You know, they, they, they're all business and they, they just care about your offer. So some of them, you can just make them a good offer or whatever. There's different angles that you can go about it. So that's one of the reasons why I show different outreach strategies, because if one doesn't work, then you can always hit them up with a different one. And it's just like you said, like when a lot of people do follow up, they're like, you know, hey, did you see my first message? Hey, did you see my first message? And that that's a lot of the reason why they get the uh, the, the angry replies. So yeah, like you said, like incorporate value into every follow up you do. And it's pretty hard, like near the end of when I was outreaching, since I don't really do it anymore, but I would get a lot of, I, I would basically get a lot of really happy no's basically, which is a really great thing and makes outreach a whole lot easier than when people are, you know, telling you to go away. But like, you know, nice no's or a lot of people who are like, you know, not right now. Those are those are two things that are like, you know, I consider those wins, honestly. So yeah, I mean, that, that's basically the way to do it with follow-up. Yeah, there's, I haven't gotten many nasty responses at all, but I think that's because I send highly personalized cold pitches 
Mm. I mean, listen, I don't spend an hour on a cold pitch that wouldn't be scalable, but when somebody can see that you actually did take the time out to look at their online presence, it's really hard to fault someone, even if you have no interest whatsoever in what they're offering, people will just appreciate that you took the time out. So if you're getting nasty responses, I almost think that might be a red flag that you're, you're irking people. But Mm. one thing though, with follow-up, so in sales, they would Obviously, I learned all my tactics from being a salesperson who was selling on behalf of other companies. And something they taught us to do was to always refer back to the last email when you're following up. So I did a lot of cold emailing when I was in sales and I would always keep it in the same thread. I would always say, you know, regarding my last email. And more recently, I heard a podcast, this guy was saying, don't do that because it kind of puts the shame and blame on them for not getting back to you and almost could deter them from actually answering. Just right. act like it's the first time you're reaching out to them and switch up the message. And I was like, oh, I never thought of it like that. That's a pretty good, it's a pretty good idea because you ever have those text messages you look at and you're like, damn, I haven't responded to this in a week. And now <laughs> I don't want to respond because I feel awkward. So you don't respond again. It's almost yeah. like don't put people in that position of feeling guilty for not responding. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. No, I actually do that honestly all the time. I'm kind of guilty for that. Just pretend like I never saw it. So then it's like, <laughs> oh, my bad. <laughs> but uh, no, yeah, no, you're actually, you're absolutely right. And especially with the, like, it's a sign that you're doing something wrong because, you know, I didn't have a start in sales. I, I just did what the course or whatever told me. There was like 200,000 people in the course at the time. So I was doing what everybody else was doing. So they had like, I was like their 10th message of that day. So they weren't exactly nice to me, which is kind of what um, inspired me to try something new because I was like, you know, this can't be the way because it's not giving me any results here. So, And in the beginning of our conversation, you had mentioned not really going for like the get rich quick and trying to just find these shortcuts because this really is the long game. I think copywriting especially is a lot about reputation. Are, are you familiar with Dan Locke, by the way? I am actually, yeah. <laughs> So like he was one of my first introductions to the YouTube world of copywriting. And obviously there's very mixed reviews on him. There's Hustlers University, Andrew Tate. Like, what do you think about these courses that I think what I've noticed with at least Dan Locke, it's like high income skill, high income skill. That's like his big thing. Um, And as somebody who was in sales and now is in copywriting, the two high income skills, I think people need to be a little bit more realistic about like what that really (laughs) means. So tell me what you think about that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, well, it's kind of a double edged sword because, you know, everybody joins Andrew Tate's course because they want a Bugatti and like 14 wives and all the money or whatever. They want to be rich like him. But like in the reality, it's like, you know, when you're inside, he's teaching you about copywriting and it's like you're not going to make like seven, eight figures from just writing some people's emails or something like that. But it's a great way to, you know, supplement your income or replace your job and become an entrepreneur so that you can further develop your skills and get into lots of other things. There are lots of marketers and consultants and agencies that I know that started out as copywriters and now they are making that seven and eight figures. But the thing is that copywriting was just their start. So, I mean, and, and yeah, 
a lot of people see it as a get rich quick scheme and copywriting has been sold as a get rich quick scheme for like decades now. And cause it's, cause it's like, you know, people think, Oh, you can just roll over in bed and write some emails on your phone. And then, then in comes the money. But uh, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't usually work like that. But the thing is that there are some people who will always just be chasing the shiny object. So sometimes when people come into my free discord, for example, they'll be like, Oh, yo, like how likely is it to become a copywriter in three months or how likely is it that I make like five grand in six months or something like that. And it's like, at that point, I kind of know just because they're asking the wrong questions. It's like, no matter what they chose, you have to put in the work, put in the time, put in the effort, no matter if it's drop shipping or SMMA or, or whatever it is. Right. So as far as, you know, copywriting, whenever people ask me, should you get into it? It's like, it's definitely a good contender and it's just as good as anything else, really. Because yeah, you can try drop. There's nothing that's going to give you quick money. It doesn't because it doesn't really work like that, right? It's kind of a get rich slow, but a get rich slow is realistic. A get rich quick doesn't exist, and it's better than get rich never. So that's kind of my thoughts on it. I love that. Better than get rich never. I have to start using <laughs> that. I get a lot of how long until I make six figures. That's the big thing that I get. It's like. Dude, I don't know because it's up to you. You have to become somebody who's worth earning six figures. And I think the craziest part is, is that it's not even about how good you are as a writer. It's genuinely about the cold outreach and how you market yourself and how you can sell yourself, not in a scammy, sleazy way, but can you convince somebody that you're going to add value to their business and can you get them to trust you? So that whole idea of let me make blah, 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 doing copywriting. It's like, you're already positioning yourself as kind of a sleazy person. And you, mm. this is such a reputation and trust game. So I guess it's about balancing those. I was surprised that Andrew Tate was offering copywriting of all things, because before <laughs> I even knew about Hustlers University, obviously I just saw the, the clips, like all the reels and all the stuff. And then I learned about Hustlers University. I'm like, okay, that makes sense. Like crypto and drop shipping. These are these little sectors within YouTube where people try to learn these skills. But then copywriting, I was like, <laughs> I kind of want to like go in, take the course and do like a review on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I was thinking about doing a little review as well. But I mean, personally, I found it wasn't really the right time because of what's going on with them. So I figured I'd kind of just leave it for now. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. No, I, I definitely see that. And a lot of the people who get in there, it's like, you know, it attracts a lot of that type of person who are like, you know, they want to get rich for free. They want to get rich as soon as possible with no actual effort or money put into it. Right. But and, and like one of the biggest things that I learned, right, is, is since like I started with the $50 course is that there was, like I said, there was over 200,000 people in there. So everything that I was doing there, I had no actual advantages. Right. But the only advantages I actually got was when I started joining like high ticket programs in like really investing in myself. And then I started to learn stuff that other people didn't know. I started to get around other people who invested in themselves. So it really, that like, that's the biggest thing that raised my, my income was doing that and being like really realistic about it. Because it's like, if you're not willing to invest a couple thousand dollars in yourself, then how is someone else going to invest that much money into you is really how I started to see. Yeah. That's something that took me a while when I first became self-employed. I couldn't believe that I was making money without a traditional nine to five job. So I was very frugal, but then right. you realize quickly that if you're not continually investing in your professional development and other people's programs and coaching and courses, you're really stringing together free information on YouTube and all that stuff is yeah. only going to get you. So it's a waste of time at a certain point. Mm, absolutely. And like, the thing is that like, you know, I've spent some time around the seven and eight figure 
earners and man, they, they invest in themselves heavy. One of my clients like told me that he even invested in himself by, he invested in a guy basically for like eight hours of his time for like a hundred thousand bucks. Cause they're paying, they're not paying for the actual commodity. They're not paying for the time they're paying for the result. Right. So if they get that result, then they get the return on their investment. And that's how successful people think. And a lot of beginners really miss out on. And that reminds me of not charging hourly. One of the things I always tell <laughs> my writers in my program is don't bother charging hourly for your time. Like you have to either go with value-based pricing and or a flat fee and get on a retainer to really make good money. Because if you're charging hourly, this is my opinion, if you're mm -hmm. charging an hourly fee, you're going to get so good as a copywriter that something that once took you three hours is going to be condensed into an hour once you get faster and get better. So right. hourly pricing penalizes you for getting the work done faster and no one wants to be in that position. No, absolutely. And like the thing with hourly pricing as well is that you're turning yourself into a commodity. So there's always going to be somebody who can do it for a little bit cheaper than you. So it's kind of just like a price race to the bottom and it, it, it only hurts you. So no, I definitely agree. I would say like charge per however much work you do or charge per retainer or anything but hourly, basically. Yeah, yeah. Going back to the Andrew Tate copywriting program. So he has other instructors that go in and teach each skill, basically. Like it's not him, right? Right, right. Yeah, no, he he doesn't even touch the inside of the course. He's not even like, has nothing to do with it, basically. What did you think about the skills? How do they, I'm just curious how they approach, I'm somebody who's never taken an actual copywriting course. And I want to get into this with you too, about just getting in with your first client and getting the experience because- mm -hmm. That genuinely is how I learned. I didn't take any courses, nothing against courses. They hundred percent are great, but it's really hard to do copywriting unless you get the feedback from a client, like whether you're doing it correctly or not is going to come from who you're doing the work for. So I want to talk about that, but what approach do they take with copywriting? How do they sell it? And what are they teaching? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I mean, that's a good point that you made and that the experience that's on the job is really what matters. And I mean, one of the things about the the course, which is kind of a, it's kind of a good thing, but it's kind of not so good. And I hear a lot of people talk about it, but basically you get your copy reviewed by other people in the, in the course. So it's like, you know, you're all reviewing each other's copy, but at a certain point, you know, you're getting your copy reviewed by some beginners. And sometimes they might say something and you kind of disagree with it. Or you're like, what is this person talking about? So as far as how good you can get, I honestly, you can learn about it. You can learn how to break down some sales pages, learn how to, you know, structure it, some of the basic stuff. But a lot of it, I mean, this, this is something that everybody says about anything, but I mean, you can learn it on YouTube, yes, but there is actual value in having a little bit of a community where you're doing stuff and how they go about it is basically, I mean, yeah, it's basically all the basics. So like, I don't know if you know who Kyle Milligan is. You must. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. So, so they teach like a lot of his stuff. So they're like, okay, well, this is NESB and this is DIC and PAS. And they basically show like a bunch of the beginner structures. And then he'll go through and do like a, a weekly review of like, he'll pick like three or four people out of the course and review some other stuff. So I, basically everybody can agree. It's a good spot to like get your, you know, get your knowledge up and like learn what copywriting is if you don't even know what it's about. But as far as like scaling, and really honing in on your skills or learning anything else that has to do with copywriting. So for example, I teach a little bit of email marketing and sales funnels and some, some overall marketing stuff. They don't teach anything really about that. And they don't really teach much about outreach either. 
they have two or three email templates, but they give them to like 200,000 people. So at that point, it's like, you know, it kind of defeats the purpose. That's my thoughts on it. And I felt like after three to four months, which is basically the average churn rate of, of the people that are in there, three to four months is like, that's what it's good for. Interesting. It, it really depends on the type of client you want to go after too, because I think like with you with funnels and that type of copywriting, it is a little bit different than what I do for my clients. Cause I have a, my, my whole client base is B2B technology companies. So for me, the best place that I could go to learn those skills was going to be HubSpot because they're producing B2B content for business owners and they're teaching marketing principles. But then like for funnels, there's the Russell Brunsons of the world who teach course creators and you know, solopreneurs and online mm. digital entrepreneurs how to market themselves. So it's kind of that blend between B2C and B2B. Absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like that's, that's as far as like funnels go. So like, yeah, like you said, like there are also a lot of different skills based around what niche you're in. But, but basically, that's something that I always preach is that learning the how to put your copy to work or, or the context of your copy is really important as well. And another thing that I show people how to do is like email automations. So I actually go into the software and show them, show them what it's like and how you can have it set up so that it's passive, right? Because a lot of the times people think that it's about broadcast emails when really in, in my experience, at least the most results come from automatic people come in, they get the sequence after each day, and then it automatically sends them emails based on their actions. Right. So I show people how to get results doing that as well. And on the topic of getting feedback on your writing, I feel like this is another misconception too, because copywriting is never just about whether or not the words are quote unquote good. It's very subjective because mm. one person can look at some copy and say that sucks. Like this doesn't sound right, but you have no idea how it's converting on the back end. And copy by its nature is very focus towards a target audience. It's meant to resonate with a certain person that thinks in a certain way and speaks in a certain way. So I think the whole concept of getting group feedback on your copy is that's a misnomer. There's really no way. And people on LinkedIn, which can be an absolute cesspool of just corporate bragging and cringy ass stuff, <laughs> people will like bring up these marketing campaigns and critique it and say, this is what I would do better. And it's like, but you don't know how it's converting on the back end. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I agree. And especially with the the copy being subjective thing. I mean, you you brought up Dan Locke earlier, which was funny. My mentor actually used to work for Dan Locke and write copy for him. And one of the things that he told me is like, one time I went to my mentor and I was like, yo, I sent my copy to such and such. And they said, basically like, oh, like it could, it could be better or it could be improved or like, it's good for a beginner or something like that. Right. And my mentor was like, yeah, man, like that's something that business owners will just say. And it's, it's their way of saying that it's good, but they can do better because a lot of it is also ego. So sometimes I work with clients in like the business space and I, I disagree with some of the, some of the things that they, their, their principles of copy. But, you know, at the end of the day, I make it like them. But I mean, yeah, it just goes to show, I mean, he, he worked for Dan Locke and he told me sometimes what he would do is actually kind of like, if he wanted to make a subject line, a certain thing, he would pass it in, but like make it wrong the first time. Cause he knew Dan would actually make him change it. So then like he'd make him change it and he'd be like, okay, now I can actually write what I want. And then Dan was like, okay, great. So, I mean, absolutely. People, people will always put in their two cents and it's a very subjective craft after a certain, after a certain period.
So whatever I tell people to do is, you know, write it in your client's voice the best you can, even if you don't think that their voice is the best or whatever, because the name of the game is just doing what they want, especially until they trust you. So if you can show up and show that you can write copy in their voice how they like, then down the line, you could say, hey, I kind of want to try it this way or try it that way or uh, or whatever. And yeah, I mean, you're right with the group reviewing stuff. The only thing it was really good for was if you have just like terrible flow or you're just like a, a complete beginner and there's some, you know, huge mistakes in your writing, like they'd be able to help you there. But as soon as you get to that five out of 10, six out of 10 skill level, then it's kind of like you're putting stuff in there and it's either not getting any reviews because, you know, it's already up to standard or it's like, you know, you get reviews from beginners who kind of have their own misconceptions as well. Yeah. I love what you said about doing what the client wants, despite it not maybe being what you know is best, because that was a lesson I had to learn the hard way. I get really excited about things. So when I learn something, I want to go tell the client and push it on the client. And I've had people react in a very not positive way of like, I think their demeanor was just like, shut the fuck up and do what I tell you to do. And I don't care about your ideas. And I think that's why channeling everything I learn into my own content is such a creative outlet for me because you don't really get that positive reception from clients. Unfortunately, they do want it done their way. They don't care what you just learned on this incredible YouTube channel and they don't care about the book you just read. And you have to kind of keep your ego in check. I wish I had the wisdom to keep my mouth shut (laughs) <laughs> at least until the rapport was built before I right. came like, crashing on the scene with my advice. No, I definitely agree. And I felt the same way, especially now that I have clients and I have my own thing. It's like, I know I do like, I do the client stuff at, at the first, at the beginning of the day, because I know like whenever I do my stuff, it's like, I'm super excited to get into it, whatever. But I mean, the clients have the good feedback sometimes, but you know, it's not, it's never as exciting as working on your own stuff. So. Yeah. Yeah. And especially for B2B, I think with your industry, maybe your clients, I'm assuming are a little bit more transparent about results, but that's why for me, I want to really double down on email copywriting, but it's Mm -hmm. really hard to build out a portfolio and show results because my clients are so, so secretive about any of the internal stuff because they're large companies. So they Mm -hmm. have a lot of legal red tape and they don't want to share that information with a subcontractor. So For anyone who's listening, who works for bigger clients with very built out marketing departments, sometimes the only way you will know if you're doing a good job is if they continue to give you work. And and a lot of people online are like, well, does your copy get results? What are your conversion rates? Sometimes the client will never share that with you depending on who they are. Yeah, absolutely. Sometimes you can't even speak about who you're working with or or what exactly you're doing because it's just like, you know, they have they have people and they have things that they have in place where they can't really just share a whole bunch of stuff. So yeah, I definitely agree. Tell me about your program. I'm interested to know about your offer. Absolutely. So as far as my program for copy coaching, right? A copy client accelerator. Yeah. In that program, I teach all the stuff that really helps me not only get my first couple of clients, but also help me scale and get clients repeatedly. So it's something that, you know, a lot of beginners struggle with. And I struggle with as well Is like, I was basically just trying to get lucky and get a client. My business was kind of just a lottery ticket instead of a business. So it was like, you know, oh, if I get really lucky, I can get this client. But if it took me a thousand outreaches, get my first client, 
and it takes me a thousand outreaches to get a client, then it's like my business is, you know, not, not that great. So I got to a point where, you know, I could get a client like about every week or two, if I wanted to like a high paying client. And the only reason I was able to do that was through building my skills and basically building leverage, right? So there's two ways that you can get things out of life. And that's by using power or using leverage. So using power will be just like using your brute force, like hustling your face off until you get the result, which is like kind of how it is when you get your first client. But then using leverage is like, okay, now that I have testimonials, now that I have more knowledge, now that I have all these results, I can use them to actually get more clients. And you know, I show people like how to actually do everything that comes with that. So like build their Instagram, build their skills in copywriting, build their skills beyond copywriting. I show them different outreach strategies. I show them the best prospecting strategies that have worked for me and things of that nature. So that's what I show in Copy Client Accelerator. I have the on-demand course, and then also I have the private community where I'm in all the time as well. Yeah, that's really key. And I think one of the most valuable things sounds like in your program is building out that online presence because- Like you said, I think the issue with email now is that it does have this impersonal nature. And just Mm -hmm. like you, when I first learned about copywriting, freelancing and pitching for business, everybody did talk about cold email. And what's interesting is I kind of just took everything they were talking about in regard to email and put that in a social media context. So Mm -hmm. I would go on LinkedIn and send those LinkedIn messages. And what is really powerful about that is that it's not just a wall of text. It is your little photo popping up. And then with one click, they can navigate to your profile and learn everything they need to learn about you. So yeah, I think setting up, I'm assuming that's a module in your course is like how to set up and optimize your social profiles. Right. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think you, uh, you also got it correct when you said that as well, because what a lot of people don't really realize is that when they start a business, even if it is a freelancing business, like you're starting a personal brand, right? So you're starting a whole, a whole, like you should be sending a message with the things that you put out online. And if you're just a blank profile picture and there's nothing on your profile, then it's going to hurt you in the long run, right? So by optimizing it, that you're building your leverage and you're increasing the likelihood of, of your outreach, which is something that's really key. So I think that our strategies are actually pretty similar. You just kind of go the, the LinkedIn route because I personally have never, I don't even know, don't even know what LinkedIn is about. I just used Instagram because it was kind of like something that I knew. So yeah, I mean, either way with LinkedIn and Instagram, I think the important part is, is that they're not freelance focused bidding marketplaces. Like, do you, have you ever used Upwork or Fiverr or any of those sites? Yeah. I mean, I tried a whole bunch of side hustle type of stuff and my strategy was basically post and price. So it was like, you know, I'll just post, post up my stuff and then hope that somebody comes by. And then every couple of weeks, somebody would be like, Hey, can you edit this video for me for like five bucks? So, yeah, that's, That's the thing. Like when I first got into this game, somebody who I listened to on YouTube literally said, stay away from Fiverr and Upwork. And I didn't know exactly why, but I just took their advice. And it's just my experience that LinkedIn tends to have higher quality clients for my niche, my industry for B2B anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, I almost liken it to the Tinder match vibe. When you go on Tinder, you're expecting like a certain type of casual relationship and match right. has the reputation of people who want to settle down. And I do feel like Fiverr is like Tinder and LinkedIn is like match.com. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's like Fiverr is, is attractive to people I find because it's like, they don't want to do Like you said, like the cold outreach is like uncomfortable. 
especially yeah. when you're just when you're just starting out they kind of just like okay well here are my skills so you know come pay me to do whatever but it's like especially if you're just starting out like you're not really going to have much to say like there's no reason why someone would go to your ad on fiverr when they could just go to some other dude who's like pro verified and has his picture up and is like oh i have five years experience or whatever you know what i mean so that's the thing it's very very saturated and you know when you're on it, you nailed it, what you said in the beginning, people are on those platforms for their own gain, for their own like business opportunities, and your mm-hmm. messages are going to get read. They have a higher, way higher likelihood of getting read and opened and responded to on a platform like Instagram or LinkedIn versus a saturated bidding site where, like you said, the experienced people really rise to the top. Where is the best place people can find you? Absolutely. So the best place that people can find me is probably my YouTube. My YouTube is Tyson4D and my Instagram is Tyson Scales. That's T-Y-S-O-N period S-C-A-L-E-S Tyson Scales. You know, I got an ad from a second account of yours. I think people are making (laughs) scam accounts. Do you only have one Instagram account? Yeah, I do. There's a few of those going around. <laughs> All right. So let's put yeah. that out there for people. I will never I will never talk to you about your crypto portfolio, any Forex, anything like that. That's not me. <laughs> okay. That's what I thought. I was like, hmm. <laughs> I mean, I, every time I see someone who is like blowing up online and I follow them, I'll get like three scam accounts that instantly follow me. But I know it, but I, I'm wondering, do people actually fall for that? I guess they do. I mean, some people have hit me up and they're like, hey, dude, like he talks just like you. And I guess they like literally go through my comments and see the types of words that I use and see my colloquialisms and they send it. And it's kind of sad, like the, they were going hard on Christmas, messaging people, trying to get their money and stuff. And I was like, wow, <laughs> like no morals. That's so crazy. And that's so stressful for you because you're selling something and you don't want people to think like anything is happening that's shady. And that's just so frustrating. Absolutely. Yeah, it does. It is quite unfortunate. But yeah, if anybody comes across those, please do me a favor and report them. (laughs) Much appreciated. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tyson. I look forward to collaborating with you and check out Tyson's program. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.